0: It's poverty. It's crime. Unemployment. Corruption. Accountability. Energy crisis.
1: We are worried. That South Africa has myriad problems on all fronts is a given. But the time has come for us to look for real solutions. I'm Jeremy Maggs and this MoneyWeb podcast will discuss those solutions on how South Africans can solve problems by having tough conversations and drawing on the insights of South Africa's top business leaders. Welcome to Fix SA. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Fix S.A. These are conversations committed to finding solutions and approaches to the complex and multifaceted issues facing South Africa. Now, Colin Coleman is a leading South African businessman, academic and public figure, a former partner of Goldman Sachs. He was the chief executive officer, Sub-Saharan Africa. In the 1980s, he was an anti-apartheid activist and from 1989, deeply involved in South Africa's constitution. Transition from apartheid to democracy. Colin was also named one of the World Economic Forum's global leaders for tomorrow and uh, a very special guest on this edition of Fix SA, Colin, welcome and let's get straight to it. Um, this is a podcast dedicated to finding solutions. We'll get there in just a moment. But before we can find solutions, I need to get a perspective from you on where we've gone wrong in recent years and uh, what, are we, what are we battling with in South Africa right now? What's, uh, what are our priorities?
0: Lovely to be with you, Jeremy. I must say it comes after two events. One is I turned 61 yesterday And on that day, we had the box deliver the World Cup Webb Ellis trophy back to South Africa, and you could see and feel the excitement and the pride of South Africa as Sia Khaleesi arrived home with a cup. And I think that, uh, rather than starting with the problems, which I will do in a second, that captures the moment in South Africa and the yearning of South Africa for excellence in all fields, not just on the rugby field, but in the nation as a whole. And I, I just say that because it punctuates so much uh, well the uh, moment in South Africa, which is we have such great talent across society, and yet we have the problems we have. So let me come to that for a second. We really have this triple challenge after 30 years of democracy next year, this triple challenge of real unemployment, half the country living in poverty, and the trap of an economy that is not growing. Effectively, we've had now 10 years of around 1% growth rates and population growth of 1.6%, according to the census just released. In other words, South Africans are getting poorer. Inequality is rising as the unemployment rate rises and growth slows. And with that, we, we have three real flashpoints. We have low economic growth, rising crime, and we have failing infrastructure. And these three things are interdependent because we cannot fix failing infrastructure unless we deal with crime. And you cannot fix crime unless you give economic opportunities to people and crack down on organized crime and corruption. So we have a, a very challenging set of cards that we have to play the fortunate part is we have excellent south africans across a wide spectrum of talents and opportunities to fix it and if we put our heads together like the Springboks did winning by one point in every one of their matches, the last three matches we can beat these problems but it really co- requires almost the perfect performance
1: To extend, Colin, your analogy about cards, um, so many South Africans feel very despondent right now and almost want to throw their hand in. Um, How do you convince them not to do that?
0: It is overwhelming, you know, it is overwhelming. But, you know, my lifetime, as I said, I've just turned 61, we have come through so many times where one has felt overwhelmed. You know, the 1980s, when I was a student leader in in conscription activists in the underground of the african national congress it was so overwhelming that one felt with the level of repression the level of detention the level of torture suffering uh, that we were going to have an implosion and certainly we came close to a racial explosion in 1994 and i was deeply involved in the negotiations that brought put into the elections but we were literally destined for what rwanda went through in 1994 a million people dying and the security forces then felt that there was enough weapons stored in south africa which if used was going to result in that kind of calamity that you know we forget now just how challenging south africa was in a very different way now we're in a, this position where we can't just click our fingers and fix it there's no Codescent negotiation is going to fix unemployment. But certainly by pulling together we can overcome it. But that requires a national a national urgency and a national unity and leadership. And you know, people don't feel we have the leadership. And they're these kind of clashing forces, these people that want to extract and effectively accumulate and on the one hand, and then there's this mass of people they're seen yesterday with this kind of celebration of the rugby victory of yearning for this excellence to be brought together yearning for talent to combine black and white talent poor and wealthy business and civil society to get south africa working again but i do not blame any single south african for feeling overwhelmed
1: Colin, let's pick up on that word talent that you've used a couple of times in that answer. Um, No one is doubting that we don't have the talent in this country. And I think that there is a willing majority of people who do want to fix things. The challenge, of course, the difficulty is how to corral that talent uh, towards working in one positive direction. I guess you'll tell me it is predicated on better leadership. You've referenced that already. But what other thoughts do you have in that respect?
0: Yeah, you know, it is both ground up, bottom up and top down. So we need a bottom up process. Uh, You know, we we just celebrated 40 years of the United Democratic Front and there was a UDF 40 campaign which was attempting to effectively get what they called active citizenry on the move, Uh, meaning people in their communities, in the schools, in the police, in uh, communities with uh, community policing, you know, mirroring what happened in in the 1980s with the formation and mobilization of people's power in the united democratic front get that bottom-up mobilization of people to confront all the wrong elements in society and to isolate them and get the better parts of south africa mobilized and top down we need the leadership to identify and position people of talent who can fix problems in the right place at the right time. You know, I always remember Tony Blair at his early stages of his career, Bill Clinton, the Macrons of the world represent the best in my idea of what leadership is, even a Gorbachev who really sees moments and who are able to mobilize society around ideas, core ideas, and then mobilize the best people behind that, a best team. And Tony Blair said, you know, everything that got him into power as the Labour Party leader and he became prime minister, he said all the training he had and all the talents and the skills that he had before he crossed into 10 Downing Street had nothing to do with the training and the skills he needed to administer the United Kingdom once he went into 10 Downing Street. And I think for President Ramaphosa, he needs an entirely different set of skills to administer and govern and run South Africa from the skill set he needed to become the leader of the political party, the African National Congress. And I think this is one of the dilemmas of democracy. The ANC gets elected to be the governing party, the ruling party in South Africa. And yet many of the skills in the ANC are not suited to administering and executing on the policies of the ANC. So some people think they have the wrong policies. Other people think they have perfectly good policies, but they are wanting in respect of administering ESCOM, Transnet, the health system, the education system. I can tell you from the work I did at Goldman Sachs in the two decades of freedom, we're now about to enter the third decade of freedom, that when you look at expenditure, and we have the medium-term budget statement today, of the state on education and health relative to emerging markets. We have exactly in line or better levels of expenditure as a percentage of GDP in health and education than most emerging market countries. But our outputs in terms of literacy, in terms of life expectancy and so on, lag significantly those same emerging Mm. markets. So you've got to say our system, our outputs are failing even though, in many respects, our policies are fine. You know, the World Bank or the IMF or uh, leading international policy experts don't have an issue necessarily with the policies, but we face the reality we are not implementing properly. And in certain respects, I think we have the wrong policies. Uh, I get onto that on economic growth and so on. I think we, we lack imagination. But the, certainly the, the central point is the skills you need to administer A complex country like South Africa are not there at this point in time and we need to mobilize
1: them. So what are those skills?
0: Look, (laughs) I have a history, as you put it at the beginning, combining a political experience and a management business experience. I think the skills that we lack are the latter. We lack management and business experience in administering the state. So there is... A lot not just corruption but there's a lot of wasteful expenditure expenditure on things for example We should have an e-government system which removes a lot of the Expenditure that's there on back office processing You know if your domestic Helper has to take a day off to go to a hospital to get a script to go to the pharmacy. It's crazy They should send it online To the person and that person should then order it online from the pharmacy it's a total waste of the person's time to go with transport they can ill afford to a hospital that is battling with administration that should all Mm. be digitized so simple management and administrative skills to remove a lot of the costs make things more efficient administer people and also plan and forecast the cost base so You know, a big business will always say, let's say you've got a distressed company, a large distressed company. You can think of many distressed companies that have turned around. They basically look at the cost line and they say, how can we cut the cost line? How can we be more efficient with the money we're spending, spend less to get more output? And at the same time, how do we get our revenues up so that our profit returns and then ultimately grows? And what is our profit margin? So a state should be asking, how do we grow our revenues and how do we cut our costs while being more efficient? And I think that in the States, there is huge scope for efficiency, huge scope for cutting wasteful expenditure, never mind corruption. Corruption is just like a cancer that needs to be cut out surgically out of the system. But... By doing simple management principles, Mm. Jeremy, I believe we could get a lot further.
1: All right, that's the top-down approach. I want to rewind and look at Mm. the bottom-up approach if we can. And Colin Coleman, while you were in the UDF during Mm. the 80s, I was reporting the UDF. And the one thing that I do recall was that every single one of the disparate organizations that were part of that formation were working towards a common goal let me suggest to you that maybe what we don't have in this country is a common goal right now.
0: Yes, I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. And I think that the box are, in a way, helping us reset towards a common goal. You know, we had the Webb Ellis Trophy of economic growth or employment, or we had the Webb Ellis Trophy of non-racialism. We would say to ourselves, simply... If we want to mobilize 5 million people to, into employment, how do we use the best of South Africans, the CEO Khaleesi and the Dwayne Vermulans of the world, the Eben Etzebeth? how do we combine the best of those into a common goal of driving employment in South Africa and put our best minds and our
1: best people forward? So how do we do that?
0: Well, I mean, this is the frustrating part, isn't it? It's just obvious. It's obvious what our common goal should be. It's also obvious that we have a clash of interests, and this is how I see it. I think what's happened, and this is not just the government's problem, and it's not just one national or ethnic interest or racial interest problem. This is all of our failings and all of our challenge, by which I mean we have not succeeded since 94 in bringing enough people into the economy. When you've got effectively 16 million people working and 11 million people outside the system who have to survive, you have to provide those 11 million people with opportunity or they will get exploited by those criminal elements, corrupt elements, patronage elements, and they will use the political system to their advantage. So the corruption of the political system, the patronage system, the overtaking of the ANC with elements that effectively have only the interest of accumulation in mind. This is not the ANC we knew. Okay, The ANC we knew was an ANC focused on morality, on democracy, on common purpose. That has been contaminated with the fact that people are using the ANC and the political system to extract economic interest. Why? Because they have little alternatives. So we have to provide as many employment opportunities. So I am a co-chairman of the Youth Employment Service, which to date, through a business-led program in partnership with government, has provided 126,000 youth internships, one-year youth internships paid for 18 to 29-year-old youth in South African businesses. Now, that's a partial success, but it needs to be scaled up massively in order to reach this objective that I'm talking about. How do we do that? We do that through the government providing more incentives. They have provided tax incentives. They have provided empowerment incentives and so on, but they need to provide other incentives for smaller micro-enterprises to participate. We have 2.5 million micro-enterprises, Jeremy, in Mm -hmm. South Africa. If just each of those were to take one youth into internships through being facilitated with funding and so on, we'd have two and a half million people in employment. Just that one simple thing would halve our problem of creating five million jobs. So what I'm pointing to is what are the practical, pragmatic ways of us mobilizing the resources of South Africa to crack this problem of this mass exclusion of people from economic income and opportunity and pride? And we have to... Find the ways, like the practical ways to combine.
1: Colin, without getting lost in a forest of policy, Mm -hmm. you did reference earlier in this conversation that we have the wrong policies. Um, In simple terms, why are they wrong and what are the right ones?
0: We have to get economic growth. I think everybody understands we have to get economic growth. of Around 5% from 1% over the last 10 years in order to crack the long-term sustainable employment trajectory. So in order to get that 11 million people down to 6 or 5 million, we have to get economic growth. To get that economic growth, we're going to have to expand investment and production. I can tell you there are various ways in which that has to happen. Some of it is executing on policies like removing red tape. But removing red tape means removing regulatory stranglehold that keeps business back and it can be simple licensing but it can also be empowerment rules or it can be regulatory rules around restricting monopolies and things like that so there are a bunch of those that need to be either tweaked or removed or changed then expanding production is really about getting the productive factor moving now that area there have been some quite interesting suggestions some of which I've made publicly in an article in Sunday Times for example of getting 24/7 in other words continuous production in shifts in south africa so instead of having one shift of 8 or 9 or 10 hours getting 24 hour shifts in mines in factories in retail stores in all parts of the economy how by getting more than one shift of employees. So you take your employee base and you double it. You get two shifts of people. You train those people, but you need to have the regulatory environment that allows you to either pay people accordingly, which probably means slightly less for the people that are there, but you double the production process. You get another shift of people. And that means tweaking the labor environment. It means tweaking the social contract between partners. And what I'm describing, by the way, was proposed by none other than the South African Communist Party General Secretary, Solima Baia, who said we need to get our production expanded. And I agree with him. And these are practical ways for us to do it. So we need to do that. Secondly, we need to get the Africa Free Trade Agreement working so that when big companies, let's say an apple, wants to manufacture apple product phones watches and so on and so forth for this time zone they need to know that they have a market that's accessible cross borders without friction costs they need to know the logistics works they need to know there's tax incentives they need to know that it's competitive to produce and manufacture in south africa either by assembly or by manufacturing for the time zone and that they can get their product easily in and out and obviously The electricity and uh, transport backbone is under strain and we need to fix that. But fixing it, I I keep on saying to people, is like a patient going to ICU. You know, you need to get the blood pumping through the veins in order for the patient to go out of ICU. That's your backbone infrastructure, Mm -hmm. your electricity and your transport infrastructure so that we can import and export and our logistics work and we have power. And things like that. But even if we just have power and infrastructure, we're going to get 2% economic growth. We're not going to get the 5% economic growth. So we need to then go to the apples of the world, around the world, the top 100 companies in the world. By the way, 50 of them in the United States, 25 in China. We need to go to those of the top 100 publicly listed companies, all with a market cap over $100 billion, and persuade them to invest in manufacture and produced in South Africa and there are some people like Amazon Web Services that are creating large capacities in South African data centers and so on and so forth and this is good but we need to expand it we need to go on a massive campaign to practically expand the the investment and production sector in South Africa we need to stabilize our backbone infrastructure as I've discussed I think in order to do that, we need to mobilize an army of private sector experts. When I say an army, I mean 10,000 private sector experts, engineers, accountants, lawyers, architects, all sorts of people to build South Africa effectively through hiring those people into the public sector and deploying them through a hub. I have discussed this with the government. And, you know, obviously, we've now got this private sector government collaboration, which is very good. But it needs to expand. It needs to get a lot more oxygen in the system. Mm. And this is part of what I was saying about mobilizing the best of South Africa out there. Get the people who are running the trains, get the people who are running the power plants back in there, into the state. Get that expertise mobilized properly. Then I think, Jeremy, and I'm going to sort of pause because I don't want to overwhelm the listeners with this. We need to know when to put on the brake and the accelerator in the economy. You know, the Chinese do this unbelievably well. They know when to pump the economy and they know when to pause the economy. And there are certain aspects that we need to break. For example, public sector wages. We need to, through what I told you earlier or shared with you earlier about the vision for e-government, we need to invest in e-government and we need to remove costs in the back office. Okay, Put more people into the front the nurses, the policemen, the teachers on the front office and take out the administration through e-government. And on the other hand, we need to pump money, in other words, what's known as economic stimulus. We need to stimulate the economy through continuing this 350 rand grant and expand it where possible over time. And on the other hand, we should be giving, you know, those 2.5 million micro enterprises I mentioned earlier, I believe we should be giving them 5,000 rand grant Per year. That's a, comp- that's a total of 12 billion Rand out of uh, a total budget of 2.5 trillion. It sounds like a lot to people, but as a percentage of the budget, it's nothing. But again, imagine if every 2.5 million micro enterprises get a 5,000 Rand grant once off per year, what that will do to stimulating those businesses and putting people to work and giving them a helping hand. It would be massive. Mm. And those are the areas where we're going to stimulate job creation. So, again, these are the policies I would say that we need to practically put in place. There are things to fix like education and health where we have plenty of money. We just have the wrong execution and the wrong management in place.
1: Let me ask you one final question, Colin Coleman, as we come to the end of this conversation. And you certainly haven't overwhelmed the listeners. I hope that uh, you've given people a lot of food for thought. But in this conversation, you've mentioned uh, the world-class talent that exists in South Africa. Of that, uh, there is no argument. Uh, we have great ideas. Many of them you have articulated in our brief conversation. What we're really bad at, though, is implementation of those ideas. Um, how do we get better at that, do you think?
0: Yeah, I've touched on them in this interview in many respects. But I think the president needs to ask the question, how do I get the 20 best South Africans You know, we had how many in the World Cup? We had 36 in the squad or thereabouts. How do we get the 20 to 30 best South Africans into the most important slots in South Africa? Those might be in the cabinet. They might be in administration. They might be the CEO of ESCOM, the CEO of Transnet, It might be the Director General of Education. Certainly, the South African Police Services Commissioner, a critical role. We need to have the best person there. Who are those people and how do we get them there? Number one, no matter who the political party is that govern South Africa. But I do believe President Ramaphosa, almost any scenario you, you describe, will be the president for the next five years. So how does he say to himself, how do I get the best? Number one. Number two, how do we get the private sector to work a contract with government to mobilize this army of 10,000 professionals into the state to fix education, health, police and all the critical administrative functions. How do we get uh, the best people on the boards of the systemic state-owned enterprises, meaning Transnet that runs our transport system and ESCOM that really leads our energy system? Uh, And how do we get communities to mobilize active citizenry so that, for example, the thousands of schools that we have have the best parent-teacher associations that Keep accountable the headmaster, the administrator, the hospitals in the communities, the police stations in the communities. How do we make sure that we're mobilizing the best talent to hold South Africa accountable and get the best result? You know, even if we won by one point, we won mm-hmm. the web Ellis Trophy.
1: And I think that is an excellent place to leave it. And just for time reference, uh, let me tell our listeners that this podcast was recorded the day after the victorious Springbok rugby team arrived back from France. And we are recording it on the day of the mini budget. Colin Coleman, thank you very much indeed for an engaging conversation. I'm Jeremy Max. Thanks for listening to this Fix Essay podcast. For more episodes posted every second Friday, go to moneyweb.co.za, the MoneyWeb app, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, or follow MoneyWeb News on social media for more updates. MoneyWeb, your trusted source for business and investment insights.